What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? <laughs> I like how the intro kind of changes a little bit every time. Well, insight and analysis are kind of similar to a degree. Sure. So it's like, nothing's trademarked yet. No. So, you know, no patents pending, so. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, Graham. Always a pleasure to be back here in the Graham Waldrop studio. Yeah, I haven't recorded here in a while. Yeah, we like to switch it up every now and then, you know, new rooms, new energies, um, new focus, what have you. Yeah. But are uh, you doing all right, sir? I am well. Uh, it's a busy time in Atlanta sports. We got Falcons training camp just started. Uh, I think it was day five, day six of training camp. Yep. So that's exciting. Uh, got a lot to talk about there. Got a ton to talk about with our Atlanta Braves as well, and I think that's where we'll begin the show today. Before we move on, yeah. I will say, and I know you and I are in the minority on this because <clears throat> the South is such a college football uh, territory, if you will. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but we definitely choose professional sports over college sports. Yep. Um, and we're not... Georgia Bulldogs. You kind of grew up a Bulldog, yeah. but, but I, I was kind of flipping back and forth between 92.9 and 680 and heard Buck Blue squawking about Jason Eason. Jacob the, Eason. You don't even know his first name. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Eason. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, no. That's what I do. Whenever anyone starts talking about college football, I change the channel. Yeah. I know it's very unpopular to say that. Yeah, we might, mm-hmm. we might lose some users over this. Yeah, it's very possible. But... Um, Anyways. Yeah, I just have no... I, I thought of you when I heard Buck just squawking about the quarterback battle, and I was like, I, I don't care. Yeah, I really don't. I, I'll, I'll watch the games, don't get me yeah. wrong. I'll watch the games, I, but... Uh, I will say this, the funny part to me about Georgia, because I was a big Georgia fan as a kid, was they would constantly let me down, which is pretty consistent with Atlanta professional sports. And I've actually thought about this as like, why did I fall out of love with Georgia? I didn't fall out of love with the Braves or the Falcons or the Hawks, even though they've let me down time and time again in the most painful ways possible. I think college football in general, you have to be a little more active of a, uh, I mean, obviously you're very active in professional sports, but you know, in professional sports, you have the same faces there. I mean, it, a lot of people rotate in and out. Yeah, there's not as much But college football, ever. especially with people leaving early, like, I mean, it's new faces every yeah. three to four years, so it's just tougher to uh, keep that attachment. Right, and then I think also I didn't go to a big, uh, you know, I didn't go to Division One school. I went to, you know, liberal Hi- arts. Hippie liberal school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, I know you went to Clemson, so I know you have an affinity for them. I have that course. tie. Yeah. yeah. But for me, I have no personal connection with Georgia outside of some family members went there. And my family, I guess, never really connected over Georgia football the way we did over, you know, especially the Braves and the and the Falcons. So, um, I guess that settles that. Indeed. But, um, anyway, back to the, back to the Braves. We had, uh discussed on our last show we were like well this team depending on how the next 10 games go are going to be really you know they're going to be heavy buyers or they're going to be sellers which was which was true which was yeah and they did nothing we got our answer yeah we got our answer and they did absolutely jack shit nothing which i'm okay with um yeah and i'm okay with it too because i know we talked about um sunny gray the oakland a's pitcher who we were targeting we were trying to apparently package uh albies or acuna in deals yeah, which really scared me. Yeah, it scared me too because, I mean, you got Gray who, as we talked about last time, great, you know, had, had some really great years but has struggled, bounced back this year, has a lot of injury issues. 
only has two years left on his deal. Um, and it'd sort of be like, I don't want to give up someone who has this, you know, amazing ceiling like an Alves or a, an Acuna for a guy Acuna. that's going to be Acuna, excuse me, that's going to be gone and, um, you know, three years probably. Yeah, and just the idea, like, especially outfield where we don't have a ton of organizational depth. Um, we got both Kemp and Marquegas who I'm getting to the point where I don't want to see them out there a lot. Well, I think especially uh, there's two there's there's an issue with each guy. <clears throat> Kemp, hamstring. He's been he's hurt. He's pulled and fat. Yeah, okay. he's put on some weight. He's put on some weight, but it's probably because he hasn't been able to move around as much because his damn hamstrings are barking every other week. It seems like he started <laughs> off the season really hot, got hurt, got hot again, got hurt, um, sort of slumped. Got a little hot and then got hurt. Now he's hurt again. I think he's got four or five different hamstring injuries. He's been on the DL a few times. Um, I think in terms of what we could have gotten for him if we had traded him, I know there's also the August 31st deadline, but I think his ship has sailed in terms of getting any real value for him this year at least. And then with Marcakis, there's just too much on his deal. I think he's got, what, 11, 12 Le- million next yeah, year? Yeah, 11 million. 11 million for a guy that's a corner outfielder that only hits five home runs, who's yeah. slowing down, who's a great singles, doubles hitter, pretty good on base guy. Um, not the defender he used to be. I don't think really get anything for him at this point. Um, I think, you know, especially with Kemp, I feel like it was potentially a missed opportunity to try and get something for him. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm fine with these guys as the placeholders that they've been, and I, I've been a huge Matt Kemp guy, obviously, yeah. when he was raking. But, um but as long as, but to trade Acuna would have been absurd, yeah, because he's gonna be plugging in there. Hopefully next year. I mean, it, he, he, he seems like he's on the track. He's kicking ass in Gwinnett. Yeah, um, had so. a huge week last week. Yeah, um, yeah. So to trade him or Albies, who now, as we know, as of August first, has been called up. Yeah, he just called up, got called up today, which was pretty exciting. Um, two two thirty. Yeah, so to do that for a pitcher that we had for two years. That's not like elite ace status. And he isn't anymore, and he's super injury prone. Yeah, that's so. I, I'm not interested. So I'm glad. At the end of the day, I'd rather have done nothing than have given up either. Well, we did trade. We traded Jaime Garcia. We did trade Jaime Garcia for um, uh, the Twins' twenty second uh, ranked prospect. Yeah. So you know, whatever. Some um, guy that people are really struggling with how to pronounce his name. I don't even remember what his name is. That's how much I cared about that deal. It was just kind of like, okay, we got something for him, I guess. But yeah. Pretty funny, though, that the, the Twins go ahead and trade him like five days later to the Yankees. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is funny. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we sort of look at what the Braves had to go through. Diamondbacks, Cubs, Dodgers, Diamondbacks again, and Phillies. And we were thinking, you know, over that stretch, you know, that determines our fate. Uh, for the postseason, I think it did. Um, you know, we started out sweeping the Diamondbacks, which was amazing. Um, that was the first series after the break, right? Right, and then get swept by the Cubs, split with the Dodgers, lose two out of three with another series with the Diamondbacks, and then we get swept in four games against Philly. And I think even before that sweep against Philly, we were done. Now we're <laughs> officially done. I think in the playoff race, and I think um, I think that is uh, you know given further validity with um, Albie's coming up. He's going to play second base uh, pretty regularly, regularly, and I think that means Brandon Phillips is not going to be playing as much. Um, he's also a little gimpy, too. Yeah, I know he's a little banged up. Um, but yeah, we're 48 and 56. We're now fourth place in the uh, NL least, 15 behind Washington, and we're buried also in the wild card. 
And uh, I just don't see any possibility of us trying to make a serious run for any sort of postseason. No, nah, which is fine. But hey, you yeah. know, I was thinking the other day, I'm just happy that we got like that glimmer of hope. Yeah, playing some competitive baseball was nice. Um, you know, there was a period of time we were like, what, four or five, six games in the second behind the second wild card spots. So they were like, all right, this is great. You know, the Diamondbacks were faltering. Colorado was faltering. They sort of uh, righted the ship a little bit. And um, so, yeah, uh, probably no postseason for us. And that was pretty much expected, you know, Lost five games in a row. I think it's great that we're calling up uh, Albies now. Uh, he seems like he's ready. And um, this is big debut tonight against the best team in baseball, uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep. And uh, Lucas Sims, of course, as well, making his uh, debut tonight. I'm sure he'll get at least – he's going to have that chance to slide into the Garcia role after your boy uh, Aaron Blair was uh, abysmal. Yeah, he was absolutely once again. destroyed. Um, against Arizona, what was that last uh, Wednesday? Last Wednesday, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's had his chance. Both him and Whistler have had their chances to kind of prove they have something in the tank. And yeah. every time they fail miserably. He couldn't throw a strike. He had five walks in three innings, seventy five pitches to get through that. Yeah, and it was just brutal to watch. Like that's I and I mean Newcomb. He, like that's what I want out of these young guys is throw some strikes, man. Yeah. Like and, and, Newcomb's been. Newcomb has been um, <clears throat> showing some issues with walking people as well, which was a something he had going on at AAA. Yeah, so which we kind of knew about. It's troublesome, though. Yeah, but um, I think the the big thing for me is is looking for moments with these young pitchers, right? Um, Fulty, for example, has been pitching really well lately, and um, you know we're, we're always looking for. Moments where they dig deep, they get out of bad situations, get out of jams. Uh, he had a really bad start against the Phillies last time out. But over the last few starts, you've seen him, you know, times, I think you learn a lot about a pitcher when he doesn't have his best stuff. And then he goes out and, and guts out like a six-inning um, start, maybe gives up a couple runs, but and maybe gets into some jams, but gets you, you know, gives you a chance to win the game. We've seen that time and time again this year from Fulte, which is really his first healthy full season he's had. You know, if you think about... Um, 2016, he was you know lost a lot of weight because I think he had some huge blood clot in his arm or whatever, had to have a rib removed and all this stuff, and he just was never right last year. So it's great to see him doing that this year, and you just hope that um, you know we've seen that a little bit from Newcomb. You know he's had some good starts recently. I think you know against the Dodgers, and he had a really good start against Philly on Friday, um, but he just got let down by Jim Johnson, who we need to absolutely just shit can at this point. The guy is awful. Uh. I'm not going to say shit can him because he's still probably one of our best relievers. But why not put Jose Ramirez in there, man? Yeah, well, they've already said he's not the closer yeah. anymore. But like statistically, he's not our worst pitcher. I don't know. I, I, he's I, he's got some value. Just don't let him close him. I don't know if you want to. I don't know the stats. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's atrocious. He's he's got a uh, a WAR above one. Yeah. Yeah. Even with that, I'm still just ten ten Ks per nine. Yeah, it's it's he's uh, let us down a lot. Yeah. He's I mean, you look at it. Going back to the beginning of the month, save, blown, save, save, blown, save. He has three blown saves and um within a month. And that's just unacceptable. Not even signed like he's pitching every day. So um that's just the last ten games. Three blown saves. And uh, just you just can't function like that and expect to be anywhere near 
a half decent team, and we should have probably picked up a couple of games in the games we lost. Yeah, um, not, we had a, against the Dodgers, especially we had a chance to take three out of four. Yeah, and I think that sort of killed any momentum we had when that happened in that Sunday game. Yeah, um, so that was that was rough. But uh, it's exciting that that Albies and, and Lucas Sims are coming up. Albies, for you guys who don't know, is a total speedster. Uh, he's swiped twenty one bags this year. Solid header. Uh, switch hitter uh, Chipper's been working with him a lot in the cages on his left-handed swing. Um, you know, can be you know projected to be a 280 anywhere between 280 300 perennial hitter. Needs to work on getting on base a little more, but he's got such great speed. Pretty good defender, um, and the one of the prizes of this uh, organization. So it's really exciting to see him come up. I know we also said that about Dansby, but um, and Dansby can certainly write the ship. But we hope that uh, you know Albie's can come up here and make an impact and give us some you know hope that we can uh, see some signs of life and see that the future is, is actually bright and that we got a, you know, hopefully our second baseman of the future. Or shortstop. Or shortstop, depending on how yeah, that, that whole fiasco plays now out. That, yeah, I guess that's a good time to touch on it, that uh, we also demoted Dansby, yeah, as Graham's been begging for all year. Yeah, since we last, um, since we last spoke to you guys. Um, yeah, Dansby's down in AAA, going to work on some stuff for... I'm sure the whole month, you got to keep him down there a whole month, get some confidence back. At least. Bring him back. I mean, you got to bring him back in September once the AAA season's over. Yeah, I think you let him ride out the rest of the minor league regular (laughs) season in AAA. I mean, there's so much for him to work on. And and it's not like it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, he's not the best defender, oh, he's not the best hitter. He's like, he's had a bad year with both. He's made a shit ton of errors. I even want to see how many errors he has. I mean, the last time I looked, he had 15, and that was a few weeks ago. So I don't even want to know what that count is at, at this point. Yeah. He's, he's hitting two fifteen, something like that. Can't get on base, strikes out a lot. Um, you know, just has been a really abysmal year for him. But um, well, he's clearly lost his confidence. For some reason, he can't hit a slider anymore to save his life. Yeah, he's, he's out in front of everything. Um, Damon Berryhill, I believe, is the Gwinnett Braves uh, manager. He was former Braves catcher back in the 90s. Back in the day. Yeah. Nice. Um, in the 80s. In the 80s? I think the late 80s to the yeah. early 90s. Um, but anywho, he, he was saying that they're going to try him out at second base some too. So Interesting. Yeah, that's I, a sign they're thinking maybe Ozzy was the guy and they messed yeah. that one up. Um, but yeah, keep him down there, hopefully get his confidence back. Um, the kid's still a rookie. I've heard people compare this to when Frank Corr was sent down. That was a completely well, different situation. Let's hope he's not a... Frank Corr. Frank Corr also had like five solid seasons under his belt and then struggled mightily right. when we sent him down. Yeah. Um, and Dansby's still a rookie. Like, yeah. He didn't get a lot of time in the minors. No, he was promoted um, straight from AA to the majors and then came and sort of took the world by storm, hitting 300, making these wizard defensive plays. Everyone, And then all the promotional yeah, materials the Braves, the Braves like, put him yeah. in, they put all this pressure on this kid, social media, TV, you know, they had him introducing, you know, walking through the Braves clubhouse before SunTrust Park, uh, you know, was opened. And Dancy's like, welcome home, Atlanta. Here's our great clubhouse. Pretty much, I'm the face of the franchise. You know, it's pretty much what this yeah. promotion was about. And I was just, you know, I remember seeing that. And I was just like, damn, this guy's really too much front, too early. He's really front and center. He's on all these billboards. He's out in front of the stadium. I don't know if he's still there now, but. Yeah. Um, that needs to be Freddie's job. Yeah. I mean, Freddie's your. Freddie is the franchise to me. Or I'll still let Chipper do it. I'm fine with that. Right. Well, yeah. But, I mean, Freddie is the franchise. If there's one guy you can depend on day in and day out, it's Freddie Freeman. 
and let him bear the onus of having to do... I mean, Freddie loves being silly and doing the social media stuff. He's a very fun-loving guy. <laughs> and he's proven that he's an elite player and can deal with the pressures of, you know, being the face of a franchise and, you know, actually doing his job. And, and to put that onus on it, like, you know, an early 20s... How old is Dansby? 22, 23, something like that? 24? He's a little older. He's like 24 because okay. he, he played college ball. Yeah, so. that's right. So, but even still, that's that's just... That's a lot for a kid to handle in his in his rookie season. He's only played a month and a half of, of Major League Baseball. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty standard. Hitters, young guys come up, pitchers don't know them, and then the pitchers adjust, and then the hitters need to do the same. But right. he and hasn't we, figured that out, and he's lost all his confidence. Yeah, so. and I don't think it's a thing where we give up. Here we are. Um, you know, I think if we get to this point next year and we're still seeing this, like a full year next year, then maybe we have a conversation about, well, maybe we were wrong about him being the future. But we're not at that point yet. I think you got to give a guy at least two years to say, show me something. That's one thing I heard someone saying uh, recently. I'm not going to cite my source because I don't remember it, but Fair it's not my own thought. <laughs> um, like, yeah, maybe there's a reason the Diamondbacks would trade a number one overall pick less than a year after drafting him. You know? Mm-hmm. Like maybe they knew something. I mm. that we don't maybe so but, but um, that sink in yeah who knows at this point but we can ask Dave Stewart yeah. about that <laughs> but uh yeah let's touch on Lucas Sims for a minute before we uh before we move on um I have uh, been doing a little reading up on him um he had a really good start to the season kind of went a little bit up and down wound up with a three seven five ERA has a solid whip, um, has a great curveball, apparently, a really plus pitch in his arsenal. His fastball sits in the 91-92 range, doesn't have a ton of movement. Some people think that that's going to leave him open for uh, you know, exposure in the big leagues. Um, but Might give up a lot of Julios. Potentially, and you know, coming to SunTrust Park, the new launching pad. Uh, but truth be told, the yeah. souvenir, the uh, souvenir factory, as exactly. Adam likes to call it. Exactly. Um, Let's be consistent here. Yeah. But, uh, you know, here's the time. And I think if you got to bring up a guy like this, who this, this is Lucas Sims is not in the same category as Colby Allard or Mike Soroka or even Tuki Toussaint, um, or Ian anything Anderson. like that. Or Ian Anderson or Kyle Wright. And, and that he's expected to be this ace. Those guys are expected to be aces. He's not. So I think, you know, the good news for him is he comes in with not a shit ton of expectations, and he comes in in a situation where we're out of the playoff race, uh, you know, the, just come in and try to make a good start in, uh, in your first start in the big leagues, but the problem is you're coming in facing the Los Angeles Dodgers are 43 games over 500. That's um, absurd. Yeah. 31 losses at this point of year? 74 and 31. Yeah, 43 games over 500. And, um, Unbelievable, Kev. And they've just been killing it all year, and now they've added at the trade deadline. I mean, they look like they are supreme World Series contenders yeah, they're, they're, at this point. They're going for it, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, so you got to make your first start against them. <laughs> yeah, and that's, which is tough. That, that's tough. At, at home, but at a place where it certainly has played as more of a hitter's park than a pitcher's park. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, you know, my thing is with these pitchers um, – and I believe this more than I do with positional players. Let them come out, let them struggle, figure them out. Try to make sure they show us moments, um, like I've been saying. And you know, we've seen enough 
moments from Fulte. We've seen some moments from uh, Newcomb. From Newcomb. <clears throat> now it's time to see some moments from Sims and see what we can get. So yeah, that's that's what the rest of the season should be about is seeing some of these young guys that we've been hearing about for a couple of years now. But you know what I'm thinking? Part of the problem is mm. is uh, you've got a manager in Snitker who. It's like we can't decide what are we are we in win now phase or are we building for the future? But you got a, a manager on a one year deal that doesn't know if he's going to be around, so he's got to like play these veterans and try to win now. But on the other hand, you got these young guys that need this experience in these last two months of the season. Yeah. Um, but is he going to have the patience to just let them go out there and get shelled? Well, I th- and, and who's making the decisions? Here? Well, is it Coffee? Is it John Hart? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, I think, I think you have to be realistic about this season. I don't think anyone came into this season saying, "Yeah, we're a, we're a title contending team," or anything like that. We want to be competitive, but we're not going to be. It's it, you're right. It is a shit or get off the pot moment. Um, I think, like we've talked about in the past, it was a situation where we wanted, or they wanted the team to be more competitive, new ballpark, and we got that a little bit. And attendance went up, and TV ratings went up, and great. Um, now I think it's the time because we are where we are. But I think one of the things to monitor is how Snitker deals with these young guys. Do the Braves as an organization feel like, you know, Snitker's saying a good tone, a good tempo, um, you know, in terms of a morale standpoint, that he can be a guy where the young players can go to him, can be supported by him, that they get along because I think, you know, guys like Albies, Swanson, Acuna... Sims, Newcomb, all those guys, you know, it's like, with well, a baseball manager, it's not the same as like football or even basketball. But I think, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I can manage a baseball team. It's like, it is very important to have great morale in a clubhouse. It is very important for that. And it's very important for, at the very least, because the coach isn't going to go be going out there during games and saying, hey, hey, you know, you're picking your head up, you're doing all this stuff. It's more important that it sets a tone a trickle-down effect that is infectious to the guys, like, you know, Joe Madden did with the Cubs last year, um, where the guys can rally around a coach, like we saw with Bobby Cox so much, yeah. where the guys busted their ass for him. And, you know, we saw that in that 2010 season, his last year, with a team that probably shouldn't have any business getting the playoffs, gets in the playoffs, even with all these guys dropping the injuries like Prado and Chipper. Um, you know, that's a testament of a good manager in terms of, at least the morale standpoint, you can argue about bullpen strategy, pitching strategy, all this other stuff, but... I think we the, no, that's the Braves, their biggest job. Yeah, the Braves really need to see how he deals with the young players, I think. Um, so I think, to your point, I know I've been... This is a very roundabout point. I think that's the most important thing right now. I don't think it matters wins or losses, but how is he utilizing the young players and is he getting along with them and is he putting them in a position to succeed? That's fair. take. That answers my question. Yeah. So, um, I want to touch on Mr. Acuna for a second before we move on. Dude is raking. He had a four-hit uh, game the other night. I think it was on Friday. He's hitting th- over 300, high on base percentage at 381. He's slugging 560. Uh, you know, is a little south of a 1,000 OPS at 941 in Gwinnett. I mean, in 19 games, the guy is killing it. Absolutely killing it. Yep. Um, I think he's got to be called up soon. Got to be. Matt yeah. Adams is playing left field tonight. That scares what? the shit out of me. Yeah. Are you serious? I am serious. Freddie's at first. Matt Adams is at... Why? Uh, we got Santana and Rodriguez. Apparently, That's Matt crazy. Adams is in left field. Trying them out, eh? Yeah, I guess. Um, but 
so I guess we're going to see, you know, if, how the Cardinals were so scared of him playing outfield for them, and even in spring training, we're throwing him out there in regular season. Can't be game. worse than Kemp out there, in fairness. Perhaps. No, but, but I, I, I could definitely see the guy getting a cup of coffee this year. He needs to. He needs to. The guy is on another planet and, uh, right now, and I'm so glad that we did not trade him. And I don't know why we would. I mean, he, he just sounds like an absolute stud. He's raked at every level this year. This is another Frank Wren guy, isn't it? It's a good question. Let's see when he was drafted. I was going to say, well, he was one of these guys that was signed when, when he was like, this guy was born in 1997. Good Lord. Yeah, he was he was just signed straight out of Venezuela when he was 16. 2014. So that's probably when. Yeah, 2014 was a Frank Frank run. Even in 2014, they were comparing him to Andrew Jones, and now he's 19 and probably about to get called up. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Frank. Yeah, thanks, Frank. But yeah, I think he's got to get called up. Um, and I hope in the offseason we move Marquecas for even spare parts and throw him in right field. Um, keep Kemp. Maybe he gets his value up next year. Maybe he's a major contributor. Maybe he can get over that hamstring stuff. Um, but I can't wait to see this guy play. Uh, the comparisons to Andrew Jones have been out there. He's raked at every level. Good defender. Um, it's. I hope it's time pretty soon yep. because... He's got he, the look. In terms of uh, position player prospects, he excites me the most right now for sure. All right, so moving on to the Atlanta Falcons. Getting into training camp, hearing lots of good things about um, Monte Casey. Had a buddy that went out to... Uh, shout out to... Joseph Bell, my co-worker, went out to uh, training camp over the weekend and saw the team, said it was packed. That the Just at- went, went as a fan? Yeah, went as a fan. Said the atmosphere was electric. Um, and that DeMonte Casey, who was our fifth-round pick out of San Diego State this year, was just all over the field making plays. Uh, was drafted as a cornerback, but trying to move into free safety. Uh, apparently had two picks, one against Matt Ryan, one against Matt Schaub. Um, Can't get too excited over no stats like that and no not at all but it's just pads it's, off it's encouraging to see um you know this fifth round guy who a lot of people said was a steal is starting to make an impact and even what's even better is that i know he was interviewed i think after that day and he was like man i give myself a d i still got a shit done to work on pretty much yeah and i was like word i like That's this cool. guy yeah um it was this during the interview session that you and i weren't invited to participate in yeah being part of the press? Yeah, being part of the press. This damn liberal media just can't accept guys like us. One of these days, Graham. One of these days. It's very unfair. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so training camp's moving right along. Still no deal in place for Devonta Freeman. Tack McKinley is getting um, his rehab on his shoulders, apparently going well. He had a play today, I heard, where if it was a live game scenario, he would have sacked Matt Ryan. He yeah. got around Jake Matthews, made him look like a chump, and was right in Matt's face. Um, his goal, apparently, from what I hear, is to be ready um, for that first game of the year, and hopefully he gets a little preseason playing. Yeah, I think I, I think I heard, like, third game of preseason, he's yeah. hoping to get some action, at least. Um, I know his upper body's a little weak, weaker than you'd hope it'd be. Yeah. Because he hasn't been able to lift with, you know, the whole shoulder, what have you. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an exciting prospect having him on the other side of uh, Vic Beasley, and if if he can work out, that's a uh, NFC South quarterbacks look out. 
Yes. <laughs> Good point, Adam. Um, one, one of the one of the I guess bigger stories, if you can say there are really big stories in training camp and not a lot of position battles or anything like that, is in the cornerback position. Uh, Jalen Collins last year um, really stepped up big when Trufant went down with an injury uh, that ended his season, and apparently he's not getting a lot of reps uh, this year at the cornerback uh, spot with the first team. He's been mostly second, third, fourth string guys uh, in terms of when he's getting reps. Um, and this is obviously because, well, one, Trufant is, is back and is expected to be our number one corner. So, um, But the fact that he's not getting a lot of reps is uh, raising some eyebrows. Yeah, it's very surprising. I thought he had kind of showed he would be like, what, our number three corner at least? After. Yeah. Which is which is interesting, um, and uh, our f- friends at the Falcoholic are reporting that the uh, play of uh, C.J. Goodwin, who uh, played well in the postseason last year, is sort of forcing Collins out of that um, third or fourth corner slot right now. So we'll see how that plays out over training camp. But I, I thought Collins was at least the nickel corner. Yeah. Um, is this just speculation on their part? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty telling when a guy's not getting reps with the first team or even that much with the second team at this point. Apparently it's like it's like some of the second team, but a lot with the third and fourth string says that he could be, you know, uh, a special teams. Hey, it's a guy you guy. find a roster spot for, for sure. And yeah, I feel like cornerback's one of those positions you can't have too much depth. No, I, I as agree we learned with that. last year, so yeah, for sure. So I don't think it's a situation where he gets uh, yeah, you know cut him off, or anything, yeah, like kicked that. off the team or anything. Yeah. But uh, it, uh, it has been surprising. Um, you know, Julio hasn't really suited up yet, but he's been running a lot of routes. Um, he's taking care of his foot. I know he got a bunion removed, and he lost his one hundred fifty thousand dollar earring at the bottom of Lake Lanier. So I know he's emotionally traumatized over that. Have we discussed that on we the have, podcast? We have not. That happened when we were on our little hiatus. That was pretty funny because. I mean, he hires these scuba divers to go find his $150,000 ring. Mm-hmm. But why would they not just keep it if they find it? Well, you're hired to do a job. You you know, you know, do the job. Well, you're an honest man, Graham. There's a lot of unhonest men out there. No, sure. But um, it's not for us to decide. We don't have $150,000 to throw into a lake. That's true. Maybe do a little research on Lake Lanier, actually, that story. Did you know it was built over an old horse track? I heard about that yeah Yeah, so 2009 when we had a big drought yep (laughs) you could see it yeah pretty sweet it's uh it's pretty wild Atlanta sports yeah but uh yeah Tack McKinley's look good Grady Jarrett has looked good apparently um so Matt Ryan's been singing the praises of Austin Hooper as well I think Hooper's gonna have a breakout season this year I don't think I don't think he's on the radar of a lot of guys and I'm hoping that um you know this play alone in the Super Bowl got me excited about next year. He made that big catch. Um, you know, one of our – was it the last touchdown we scored? I can't remember. I don't want to remember. Yeah. Um, Black that out. Yeah. But uh, – so I'm hoping he's going to have a big year. And um, it's his position now. Tammy's gone. He's the number one guy. Let's let's see it. Apparently the uh, the Falcons are embracing the whole 28-3. and three. That's like their mantra – yeah, for the year to motivate themselves. Hey, whatever you got to do. Yeah, I know Evander Holyfield came out today and was like, <clears throat> you know, got to bounce back, whatever it takes, giving a little speech to the guys. So, a la Ric Flair, right? 
Oh, one thing I'd like to touch on real quick on the Falcons, not with the current Falcons team, but with uh, former place kicker Morton Anderson about to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. For those that don't remember Morton, he was the great man who kicked that uh, game-winning field goal against the Minnesota Vikings in the 98-99 NFC Championship game to send us to the first Super Bowl that we lost. Um, I think he's the all-time leading scorer in NFL history. Played on a shit ton of teams. Played a lot with the Saints. Played a lot with the Falcons. He had two cents with the Falcons. I think one in the 90s, and then he came back in 2007 his last year. Yeah, as old as dirt. Yeah. Um, but good for him. He's the only the second place kicker, like exclusive place kicker in the history of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, or in football, to be you know, elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So that says a lot. Is Gary Anderson in there? I don't think Gary Anderson's in there. And um, I just think that was the same person. It is not. They also <laughs> spell their names differently. Well. But, um, yeah, so that's cool. I carried a golf bag for Morton Anderson. Oh, did you? Time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Was he a nice guy? Yeah, he was with, the, I think he's Swedish. Yeah. I might be wrong. I know he's, I know he's uh, not from America. So he was with all his Swedish buddies speaking Swede. Yeah. Um, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll ask this question of you, Adam. Uh-oh. Um, other than injury... What is your biggest fear for the Falcons this year? Biggest fear. Why can't I choose injury? You can, but I mean, it's sort of like, that's like the obvious answer. So I'm, I'm asking if you've done your homework, done your research, thought about it. No, no, I haven't. Uh, I don't think I'm in football mode yet. Um, I don't know. NFC South might be a little uh, tougher to get through than we think. Panthers. Yeah. Coming back strong, Saints adding Adrian Peterson. I don't. I think the Saints are going to suck. I think they're going to be seven to nine again, like they usually are. <laughs> but um, the Bucks the adding Bucks, uh, everyone, Sean Jackson, and yeah, and uh, OJ Howard is apparently a monster at tight end. Yeah, they're going to have yeah. a lethal offense. I think the game, the games that the Falcons and the Bucks play this year are going to be really entertaining because um, you got this two really high powered offenses. Obviously, I'd take the Falcons over the Tampa Bay just because our quarterback. I think that's one of the big. I think if Tampa Bay had a better quarterback, they would scare me more. Until Jameis shows me he's consistent, isn't going to throw like eighteen picks in a season. Mm-hmm. I'm not as nervous, but I mean, I think he has a hell of a lot of upside. So I'm just waiting for that like amazing season from him, and I hope it doesn't come this year, but it certainly could. You know. O.J. Howard, the rookie tight end, is supposed to be a beast. Yeah, you mentioned Deshaun Jackson. You got Mike Evans, who's one of the best receivers in the league. Um, one thing they don't have is a running back, though. Is Doug Martin's out for the first four years of uh, four first four years? years. <laughs> <laughs> his first four years in NFL foot. No, his uh, his first four games. I think he's some a drug suspension or something like that. Um, so they're going to be a little weak at running back. So we definitely we for the first four games at least. Didn't so, they have our, our old friend uh, Jacquez Rogers? They did, and he he played really well. It's actually, for them. pretty decent. Yeah, um, but other than that, and their defense is only getting better. Um, so I'm a little concerned about them. Yes, I don't think it's it's not going to be a cakewalk. No, it's not. And the and the Panthers. I know Cam was reported like he's quote quote unquote on a mission, but I don't think Ron Rivera is very good. Shouldn't he be on a mission every year? Yeah, he should be, but he's going to finish seven to nine again probably. I, I I still think, you know, they got a really, you know, a lot of young cornerbacks. Uh, their offensive line is a rotating door in terms of guys they bring in and guys that go out. They just fire their GM. So I think they got a lot more, you know, they have organizational upheaval. They got 
uh, lineman upheaval. Uh, so I'm not as concerned about them, but they're definitely on my radar. The Saints still have a bad defense. Yes, they've added Adrian Peterson, um, but I'm not as – they lost Cooks to the Patriots. Uh, I'm not as concerned about them because their defense is still just – it's going to be it's bad the again. Saints every year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be a little better in term, defensively just because I know they 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 they, uh, they drafted defense, but they still got a bunch of rookies, you know. And, uh, and they're – you know, there hasn't been enough of a change in their defense to make me think, oh, yeah, they're going to be a legitimate threat to win more than seven games this year. Do you believe in the Super Bowl hangover at all? I do because I think if, you know, as, as much as uh, guys will come out and say, you know, we're not thinking about it or we use it as motivation, whatever your response is, as a human being, when you, go, when you undergo something like that, it is going to fuck with your head. It's, it's unavoidable to me. Um, I think you can... Try to get in this mindset of saying, yeah, we're going to use this motivation. But there's always going to be a scar there. And that scar could... You're that close. Yeah. And not even a scar. I think it's still a cut that can be infected. And that can... So you'll just, like, need some Neosporin? I think it's going to... Yeah. And no. But, I mean, you could need more than Neosporin. It could get worse. <laughs> if it's something where we get off to a really slow start in the year, that Super Bowl hangover will be a goddamn Super Bowl wave of depression that lasts the whole year, and you just got to try and get off to a good start. I think like that Bears game is our opening game. We got to send a message and beat them by double digits. Oh yeah, they're they're atrocious. Yeah, too. and just say we're gonna win this game. You know, we're gonna win this game forty-five to ten, and say we are here to fucking get back just, and, just and keep and it take, rolling. Yeah, and take care of unfinished business. Um, I know it's getting aggravating for Matt and for other guys having to answer questions because now the national media is coming to Flowery Branch and asking them all these questions about. Kyle Shanahan and asking these questions about um, you know the Super Bowl hangover effect, and I think they just gotta you know use this motivation as much as as much as you can. But I, I think the human element is still there. It's still gonna play a factor in terms of their mentality to a degree because they're fucking human. I'm sorry that, that was like, that was one of the worst losses ever, and if you don't think that's gonna play a role. Even if it's small, it's still going to be there. It's still going to be in the back of your mind. So I think there, there's going to be a little bit of that. But I think if they get off to a good start in the season, we open 3-0, 4-0, something like that, then we start getting into the uh, the mindset of, okay, new season, let's fucking go. And um, I just think we got to get off to a good start. If we don't, then it's going to be an avalanche. Dan Quinn should just pull a Belichick and kind of just shut the media out and say, we're going to answer one more question about the Super Bowl. And then don't ask any of my players anymore about it. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Um, Good. I mean, it's it's the new season's started. Let's move yeah. on from that crap. And I, and I think, you know... Even though it was earlier this yeah, year. And I'm making all the Falcons sound like a bunch of, you know, depressants. You know, teenage losers or something. Uh, you know, who are angsty. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's got to... That's our role. Yeah, exactly. That's our role. But I'm just saying there's got to be a little bit of a part of you when you undergo something that traumatic... Sure, and uh, that 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 still plays a factor in it. But um, keep in mind, though, a lot of these teams that have lost the Super Bowl, they don't like. We've gotten better. Yeah, no, that's the that is the yeah. biggest thing that I'll hang my hat on. Like, the visiting. Panthers traded Josh Norman, but yeah, I mean we've improved across the board. Yeah, the only part we haven't improved Our stupid on guard is the stupid right guard. Uh, that we don't know where we're at at fullback either. No, we don't. But I, I think. Um, the guy we got from Seattle, uh, his name is his name is escapes me right now. I didn't mean to get you started. Okay, sorry. Yeah, um, but that is one of the big things is that we did not get worse, especially on defense, 
Don Terry Poe, uh, Tack McKinley, um, you know, everybody who was a rookie or was a you know a younger player, like a rookie Deion Jones is going to be better. You add Duke <clears throat> Riley who could potentially slot in at linebacker. You're getting back guys who have you know coming off injury in Trufant. If we have Trufant, we win that Super Bowl, in my opinion. Um, you know, Vic Beasley's got another year under his hat right now. You know, I mean, we are so much better defensively than we were a year ago. We're not going to open up the season like we did against Tampa Bay last year and give up like 40 points. Um, this is going to be a lethal defense. And even if the offense takes a step back, because I know people have talked about, oh, well, Sarkeesian, even though he runs the same offense, he's never coordinated in the, in the NFL before, and blah, 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 blah. Um, even if the offense isn't quite as potent as it was, the defense is going to more than make up for it, I think. Because they're too fucking good on paper. Neil, Keanu Neal is a rookie. I mean, now he's a second-year player. I mean, the time is now for us to win this fucking Super Bowl. We just got to go out and do it. Graham, you're a little too jacked up for first week of training camp. I'm sorry. I just look at that <laughs> defense and I get too excited. Um, I look at our offense and you say... give yourself a heart attack. And even our, yeah, even our offense is getting better. Austin Hooper's going to be better. We just got to figure out that right guard position. That's the only thing that scares me, honestly. It's right guard. Don't know who that's going to be. I know Sean Harlow, Wes Schweitzer, Ben Garland are all trying out for it, so I'm keeping my eye on that. But, you know, we won't know really until we get into, uh, into those exhibition games. But it's coming up next week, next Thursday, against the Miami Dolphins as the first preseason game of the year. Very exciting. Woo! Yes. I'm going to go ahead and transition into our next segment. Please. It's our Georgia State football segment. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> did I see that we, one We coming, only cover you? professional sports. I thought you got Well, this though. is related to Atlanta professional All right. sports. The renovations of Turner Field oh. are pretty much complete. You're going to make me is, cry now. Which is pretty wild. Yeah. They, uh, they're actually, Georgia State's playing their first game in like a couple weeks. Have you seen pictures of this bad boy? No. It's really cool. Um it's... I'm going to be very upset because I love Turner Field. No, you're going to like it because they, they've kept a lot of the... Wow, uh, look at that. Yeah, they've kept a lot of the... There's still a baseball feel to it. It's the same, you know, the same classic blue seats. They've kept the Hank Aaron statue. Oh, look at that. Yeah, it still looks like it. Yeah, so it looks very similar. They, they built uh, bleachers in what was uh, right field. You could see where home plate was, and there it's now a corner to the end zone. So it's really cool how they were able to do it that quickly, and like it's gonna be great for Georgia State. Not that I have any sort of connection to them, right? But uh, you know, I, I would go check it out. I would just check it out just to feel just like to, I'm in an just alternate to be in reality. Field, yeah. yeah. I mean, they still have the 755 Club and Chop House. They've converted it to other things, of course, okay. but it's still something that serves food and beverage. Um, yeah, they're not going to put people in the upper deck though. Yeah, which makes sense for them. But something kind of cool. I'm glad it's going. It went to good use and didn't get yeah. torn down. That would have been that would have just been a total waste. Truly tragic. So yeah. and how cool is it for these kids to uh, you know come to this place for the Olympic Games where you know and play play college football? I think that's, that's yeah, fantastic. yeah. So it's it's Turner Field moves on to its third life. Yeah, from Olympics to Braves to Georgia State football. So. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Yep. Uh, that's all. Just wanted to touch on that real quick. Yeah, no, I think that's. I mean, it looks really great. I know uh, AJC for those that are interested have a picture of it. I'm sure if you just type in Turner Field, you'll see some images of the new uh, Georgia State football stadium, which is which was Turner Field. So, pretty cool. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, they they really cranked that out. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. 
So, yeah, we'll touch on the Hawks briefly. Summer League wrapped up, and John Collins, our first-round draft pick, was a uh, first-team selection um, in the Summer League. Averaged 15.5 points a game and nine boards. Um, had some monstrous jams over some people. You know, you'd check out Facebook or or the Hawks Twitter or whatever, and you'd see... Uh, any sort of social media. Any sort of social media, and you see just clips of him dunking over one, two... I saw one clip, he dunked over, like, three guys, and that was pretty epic. Um, so got to be a little encouraged with that, you know, and especially what's going to be a very long season. Um, so that was cool. Uh, we released Diamond Stone, who we got in the... Paul Millsap trade. In the sign-in trade with Paul Millsap in that three-team deal. So I guess he didn't pan out. So no, Alpha Kappa, the second round pick, uh, the last pick in the draft. It was this big guy from France. Uh, is going back to France and uh, is not kind of expected. Hawks at all. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't really room on the roster for Diamond Stone, um, who was a second year player out of Florida State, I believe. Got limited time last year um, with the Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers. Um, yeah. So with the signing of Dwayne Dedman, which. We've touched on a little bit from the Spurs, who uh, is 27 years old. I've heard he's a guy that we're going to like a lot, seven-footer. Uh, played backup for them, averaged like 20 minutes a game. So yeah. We got, we got him plus, uh, what's Mike, the Plumley? Miles? Miles Plumley, Mike Muscala. Muscala. And John Collins. Yeah. Some people think can play center. I wouldn't mind seeing Deadman at center and then throw Collins in at the floor and see what they can do. No, I think that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't room for a fourth center on the yeah, squad. Yeah, there's just no reason for that. Um, or a fifth. Fifth, fifth, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know the NBA is dead right now, so there's not really too much to talk about with the Hawks. But um, it was cool seeing uh, John Collins get mentioned in the summer league because he got a ton of really great rookies that came out. Um, Josh Jackson, uh, Lonzo Ball, um, Fultz, the guy from Washington State, who was drafted by the by uh, 76ers, whose first name I can never remember. Um, Throughout the first pitch at uh, the Phillies Braves game yesterday, you'll exciting. be happy to know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Um, but you know, got a lot of really. This is one of the best draft classes in a while. So for him to be first team all summer league, even though it's not a lot to hang your hat on, it's at least it's something. Something to you know, get excited about, and, as I always like to say. Yeah, and you you see him out there. And, you know, I watched one summer league game, and I was like. I like this kid. I like the way he moves. He's fast. He's. It looks like his shot's getting better. So. You sat down and watched the whole summer league game. I did. NBA was, TV. Yeah, it was. A, it was a challenge. What were you doing? Were you in the studio? I was in the studio. I was doing a live show prep for our uh, our episode. Oh yeah. Which would have happened um, in a, like a week or something. Yeah. And um, I was just watching the game and and looking out for our our good friend John Collins. And he looked pretty good, huh? He looked. I'm I'm ready to just see him this year. Yeah, see him, see Shooter mature, um, see Torian Prince get better. Uh, that's that's about it, honestly. Because we're Bembry, let's get Bembry some play yeah, get time. Yeah, get Bembry some play time. Can do. Yeah, but um, yeah, a whole heck of a lot else going on with the uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. So I, I had a little something I wanted to touch on with you, sure. just to bring up uh, some nostalgia for some people. Mm. I don't know if it's totally going to hit with you because you had a dead period uh, where the Hawks. We're dead to you. Um, 2000, well, I guess it was 2003. Oh, was that the, the Twan years? Yeah. Like Antoine Walker. Antoine Walker, Al Harrington era. Uh, when did you start watching again? It was, I think, oh, I think it was like 04 or 05. 
was when I really got back into it. Was it then? All right, yeah. so I'm going to name. So I, well, I was watching that. Uh, there's the new basketball league. Uh, I don't even know what the hell is called. Three PL. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Ice Cube's league, where it's uh, some old NBA stars or oh, big three, players. big three, big three. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know what the hell they got. Three PL. Um, but I was watching a bunch of videos the other day. It's actually really entertaining to see some of these guys playing. Um, like the biggest name is like Allen Iverson, but he just didn't show up for a game, so I'm pretty sure he's out of the league now. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> Your boy Rashad McCants was the number one overall Rashad, draft pick. A traitor. How's he a traitor? Is he ratted out Carolina for being academic fools <laughs> and, and for letting them take fake classes and all that stuff? That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but there's a ton of ex Hawks on this list. So I just want to. Oh yeah, please read these names out to you. See, uh, can I guess? Can I guess at who who they are? Because I have no. I did not pay attention to the, the the three big or big three or the hell it's called. Okay. Yeah, you can um, guess. Got Al Harrington. Yep. Antoine Walker. Nope. Uh, it's going to be tough to guess. There's a couple you can maybe guess. Okay. Um, uh, pay drag, drown the jack. I wish, but no. Um, Sharif Abdurrahim. <laughs> he might be a little too old even for this league. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to embarrass myself. Why don't you just read off the list? All right, so... I got Al Harrington, at least. You got Al Harrington. Jason Terry's still playing, so... Yeah, he would have been a good guest, though. He's the ageless one. Uh, Dermar Johnson. I do not remember him. He was, like, our number six overall pick in, like, 2003 and sucked. Sounds like... Was that Billy Knight? No, that was pre-Billy Knight. That was pre-Billy Knight. Okay. Yeah. He gets a pass then. Yeah, he, he didn't do anything. Um, another one of those where we could have drafted a lot of good players. Uh, Steven Jackson... Who we had for like half a season, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Al Harrington, Dion Glover. Anything? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Gennaro Pargo. I remember him. Yeah. <laughs> Pargo, yeah. He's a little guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was like from the uh, New Orleans, whatever they were at the time. I could put up some points real quick. Your yeah. boy, Mike Bibby. Oh, Mike Bibby, yeah. Classic. These next four, you'll definitely know. Mike Bibby, Mo Evans. Mo Evans, yeah. Could hit a corner three, and that was about it. Yep. Uh, Ivan Johnson. Ivan the... Yeah, Ivan the Terrible. Yeah, I remember it was great when he was making his run. I can't remember when that was. Was that like 2012 or something? Yeah. 2011? He had like two years with us. Yeah, where he had one like really good stretch for a couple months. I remember it. Who was it? I think it was Tom Hart or someone on the TV interviewing him. And they were <laughs> like, you know, this city just has embraced you and loves you. How do you feel about that? And he's just like, ah! You know, it was... He was entertaining. Yeah, I don't think it was the best interview. If not the best player in the world, but he was entertained. Yep. Um, and then Josh Childress. Josh Chili, who come, came back from Greece or wherever he went. Who looked pretty bad. Yeah. I bet we had the most former players in that big three. Uh, I want you to do some research over the uh, over the weekend and find out if we indeed had the most players in this silly-ass tournament where these old guys are coming in, probably injuring themselves and potentially... At risk for certain death. No, Jason Williams, the... Uh, oh, the old Duke player. Yeah, yeah. The, the white point guard guy. Oh, not the old Duke player. No, 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 not him. Yeah. Oh, you're thinking of white, white chocolate. White chocolate. Oh, the old Kings that's, player. That's Jason Williams, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he did get hurt. <laughs> did he? <laughs> he was, like, watching the highlights the whole game. He was just running around trying to be, like, 15 years younger, Jason yeah. Williams, and ended up, like, 
throwed up a miserable last second shot attempt to win the game and like Airball. killed himself. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's fun to watch. If they came they're not coming to Atlanta surprisingly, but it looks pretty entertaining. Mm. They played a fifty. Oh, they're still doing it? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's only like week four. Wow. You haven't watched any of it. So I think we'll close out their final segment, Adam. You weren't prepared for this. But you seem to do this to me a lot. Yeah, they might get killed. But I want us to make... I've been listening to a lot of uh, part of my take recently. I've been listening to it for a while. They always do Mount Rushmore's. You know, where they pick the four best of whatever. It could be sports related, it could be non-sports related. Okay. I think we should try to do a Mount Rushmore of Atlanta sports players all time. Okay. That's doable. No. Well, are we going back to like... In our lifetime. In our lifetime. Yeah, that's our, that's our stipulation for all so, of these things. So, Hank Aaron's not in there. No. Phil Necro's not in there. No. You know, 90s and on. Mount Rushmore. Deion sports. Sanders, is, is he in there? Yeah, he's in there. So that's got to be... Is he a Mount Rushmore player? Then? I don't know, it's, it's your choice. You make oh, it's your, just me. I thought. I thought, I thought it was a it's, compilation. It's, it could be, or we could do it. Uh, one, uh, you know, one person has their list. The other person has. All right, let me go, let me go first then, since right. I did no prep and I don't yeah. want to be swayed by what you think. Please. Um. So, thinking Falcons. Just four. I guess that's Mount Rushmore. Huh? Yeah, that is Mount Rushmore. Just four. Four. four okay. All right, so I'm going to go easy, chipper. Chipper, okay. And you can have multiple people from the same team if you want. Right, do I want anyone from the Thrashers? Do I want to go like... Ooh, I didn't even think about the Thrashers. That's, <laughs> do I want to go like that's a good one. Ilya Kovalchuk or... I don't think I'm going to... That's about all I got. Ilya Kovalchuk. I'm not going to go with him. Okay. Um, Dominique, so that Dominique was not our lifetime. Yeah, it was. No, totally. He was still here in the 90s for a little bit. And we traded him in 1994 for some reason because we're idiots. But I wasn't watching. It doesn't matter. We, He's still in your lifetime. I'm, he is eligible. I'm not going to choose him. Well, not I have him. to. Well, I feel you, like you have to you, choose you, Dominique. You, you can or you can't. It's your personal Mount Rushmore. Right, so what we'll means go, the most to we'll you? We'll go Chipper. Yep. Well, Dominique doesn't mean the most to me. Um, I'm going to go Chipper. Al Horford. Ooh, Al Horford. Why, 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 what makes you pick Al Horford over any other Hawk? Because Al Horford was there right at the beginning when we started winning. Yeah. And he was just a glue. Constant leader. Yes. Yeah. Consummate professional. Consummate professional. Decided to start shooting threes for some reason. Yes. But, but nonetheless. Nonetheless, had a, a lot of great moments. Um, especially like his second to last year of that put back against the Wizards uh, where we won at the last minute in the Eastern Conference of the semifinals. Fucking electric. Um, yeah, no, he was, he was fantastic. Yeah. So you, you accept that one. I accept that. Uh, of right. course, Chipper. I mean, so, it goes without saying. So Chipper, contributions. Horford, yep. Matt Ryan. Fair. And I got to get something a little, a little out there. Hawks are covered. I'll go Smoltz. Smoltzy. Big Smoltz guy. Okay, so your Rushmore is Smoltzy, Chipper, Horford, and Matty Ice. Yes. 
That's pretty fair. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with that. I will say my list, and I'm going to differentiate it from yours. I'm going to start off with, um, in terms of the Braves, I'm going to go with Glavin. I was going to go with Smoltz if you didn't pick him. Um, I go with Glavin, um, Cy Young winner, part of that 14-year run where we won the division that many years in a row, and most importantly, was the game-winning pitcher in that 1995 World Series in Game 6 and won us the championship with that one-hitter in eight innings. Um, so, and people can shit on him going to the Mets and all this stuff. I was going to say, can someone get picked if they got booed at Turner Field? Sure. It's it's our own, it's our subjective lists. Um, and I still piss on anyone who did that. Um, he gave us our championship. It's the only thing we have to hang our hat on. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it was a team effort. And David Justice hit the home run, but that man pitched his ass off that whole season and was just always there, super dependable, had the prettiest delivery I've ever seen of a pitcher, and um, he's a fucking boss, so I'm going Glavin. Um, Falcons-wise, I'm going to pick uh, Roddy. Ooh! Because um, you picked Matt. Obviously, Matt's the, you know, the first guy that comes to your mind. He's the greatest quarterback in the history of the Falcons, but yeah. I'll, go, I'll go with Roddy... Because I admire him tremendously because he came in the 2004 season, I think it was his rookie year, and he sucked. He was going out at McDonald's late. He was dropping touchdown passes. I remember Mike Vick would have yeah. had his first three-touchdown performance in, uh, in his career, three passing touchdowns. But Roddy dropped like a wide-open touchdown pass in the end zone. I was just like, fuck, man. Roddy White can't get his shit I've, together. I've, I think we were at that game together. I vividly remember that. Yeah, yeah we probably, probably were. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then he comes back and just starts getting better and better. Then we go through a down stretch with, you know, by Petrino. You know, that, that Joey Jim, Harrington era. Yeah. And the guy has his best season in 2007. And you're like, oh shit. Roddy's really stepping up and he's like the one shining, you know, the one bright spot that we have in this time of horror. And then. Throughout the Smitty years, he was Smitty. the uh, yeah he was the go to guy until Julio came. He was our number one receiver, uh, put up amazing numbers. He's the all time leader in receiving yards for the Falcons for now. For now, until Julio obliterates that record <laughs> in two years. Um, but I think uh, you know, in terms of a guy who came in who had high expectations, pretty high. I think he was like a he was the twenty third overall pick or something like that. Sucked. Got his shit together and was, I think he's, he can be a, a Hall of Fame receiver potentially. I yep. mean, um, I think that's inspiring and that's great. And he was a constant rock for this franchise. So I think I put Roddy. Sad the way he went out. I, it was very sad the way he went out and how he got dicked around by Shanahan. I still think he had another year or two left in the tank. But, yep. um, you know, say I love you, Roddy, but what are you gonna do? I still love you. And I know most of Atlanta, all of Atlanta should still love you. Um, so, yeah, we got Glav, Roddy. Uh, Hawks-wise, I got to go with Dominique. Um, I don't remember a lot of Dominique, obviously, because I was four years old. Um, you know the announcer Dominique very well. I know well. the announcer Dominique very well. Again, uh, you know, but, I mean, you go back and see how important he was for this franchise. I mean, he is, I mean, there's a reason that the guy has a statue in front of Phillips Arena. Um, you know, he was, he is the greatest Hawk ever, and um, I wish we could have won a championship, but we stupidly traded him in 94 and that was our chance because I think Jordan was out at that point mm-hmm. trying to play baseball. And, um, 
But yeah, I mean, he had many epic series against the Celtics. I wish we could have gotten over that hump, but the guy gave everything for this franchise, and he won the slam dunk championship when it actually mattered um, one year. So uh, <laughs> Josh Smith won that. Yeah, too. he did. But Dominic's a Hall of Famer, um, an all-time Hawks great. Uh, anyone thinks of the Hawks, one of the first things they're going to think of is Dominique. So, um, really great guy in the in the city too. Um, I wish I could have been older to watch him play and appreciate him more because obviously when you're one, two, three, or four years old, you're not going to remember a hell of a lot or no. anything at all. Right. But I got to put him up there. Um, and in terms of my fourth guy to round out my Mount Rushmore, um, I would have said Chipper if you hadn't taken Chipper. Um, but I'll go with, uh, and I would have said Smoltz if you had said Smoltz, but I'll go with Greg Maddox. Uh, he was my favorite player growing up. Um, he was my favorite player until uh, he left, and then Chipper took over that role. But um, I loved his attitude. I loved how you know silly he could be, and I loved how much he dominated, like, you know, in the clubhouse and whatnot. And he I was loved... nasty. In the, like, no, it was by nasty, like, straight-up gross yeah. in the clubhouse. Like, totally. Taking dumps and players' hats and, and stuff like that. Yeah, he's a lunatic. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, when it, when, it, when it came down to, like, getting shit done, I mean, the guy won Cy Young after Cy Young, won the gold glove seemingly every year. I can't, you know, I, I, I can, every time he pitched, it seemed like the game was over in two hours. I mean, the guy was uh, just absolutely amazing and um, gave so much for the city. And I know he, when he got in the Hall of Fame, he didn't put the Braves logo on his hat and some people were a little upset about that but um, you know Maddox was a critical component in us being you know the franchise that we were back in the 90s and the early 2000s and it helped us get to that world championship won 15 games was it 15 years in a row at least he, I think yeah he all, I know wins, although wins don't matter although right? wins don't matter that's still impressive I gotta say yes. um, because he put him. He put his team in a position to win that many times. Yep. He was super consistent. Uh, you know, didn't have blow you by blow it by his stuff like uh, you know, and Glavin didn't either. But the way he could locate was just incredible. I mean, we were spoiled in that era um, for sure, and Maddox was a huge part of why we were. So that's my Mount Rushmore is Maddox, Roddy, Glav, and um, Dominique Wilkins. So I don't think they're going to find too many uh, arguments there. No. We might hear something from some Thrashers fans. Yeah, I know the Thrashers had a huge impact on the city, and it was sad losing them, but no. stay lovey. Indeed. Oh, and a shout-out, honor shout-out to user Nick Rising, who we have no idea who that is, but apparently listens to our show all the time, and we really appreciate you, Nick, who said uh, we suck at... Uh, <laughs> Making a show that's loud enough to hear, so which um, is totally Graham's fault. Which that's, is totally that's my post production. I have nothing to do with. Yeah, that. so um, so Nick, I, I apologize on behalf of Graham. Yeah, so Nick, we're gonna bump it up for you this week, and for the rest of you, we will as well. Um, sounds really good when I listen to it. It sounds like it's right at the right level, but uh, apparently it's not. So we're gonna bump it up. But thanks, Nick, for listening, and thanks uh, to all of you who listen as well. But anyways, now we're done. Thank you all. Hospitalmas, hospitalmas. Hospitalmas.